Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two sharp chefs and a microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Let's start with some words of wisdom and this podcast's sharp quote. No matter how bad your day is, when you start talking about cookies, cakes, or pies, or you bring somebody else cookies, there's just not bad news. The worst news is, hey, there's sugar in that. Christina Tosi. Love some Christina Tosi. Yeah, no. So in this pod, we are talking about Christmas baking, especially the world famous, tall, very tall today, yeast leaven cake-like bread, panettone. Here's a little background, Louie. Yeah. The pastry pastry was first mentioned in an Italian manuscript in the 1470s, though many people believe, Louis, that uh, it goes back to the Roman Empire. Really? Yeah. Italy produces more than 7,100 tons of panettone each year. About 10% of that is sold internationally, including here in the U.S. Now, panettone is also big in Peru, which I did not know until I read about this. That's crazy. It's common with dried papaya. Huh. rather than the traditional candied orange in Italy. Mm-hmm. And Peruvians eat, get this, more than 42 million panettones a year at Christmas and okay. Independence Day. Wow. Which is also in July for them. Super random and interesting. Fruit bread. Um, in terms of sales, though, Brazil, one of my homelands, sells the most panettone in the world. They produce more than 200,000 tons for more than 50 countries each year year that's crazy that's pretty crazy that is very very crazy (laughs) so beautiful people and beautiful cake like bread you know and fruits please let's not forget about the fruits (laughs) well our guest today bakes beautiful panettone to sell each december here in las vegas benoit cornette executive chef at southern glaciers wine and spirits of nevada he's from france where he started his culinary career at multiple michelin starred restaurants then came here to las vegas where he worked at joel robichon we're getting a lot of people from joel robichon lately we're gonna start like mining michael mina people soon watch right (laughs) some thomas keller peeps yeah actually we do have a thomas keller peep Coming up next week. Yeah. Whoa. Big one for us. Right. I know. You'll find out soon. Um, so, of course, he now works for the country's largest alcohol distributor. Thanks for joining us, Benoit. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. So, um, we especially love Benoit for many reasons. He's a cool guy, but uh, he... Definitely. Baked for us today. Yes. So we're having uh, some delicious chocolate and orange panettone, which anytime you put fruit with chocolate for me, mm, you're in Mm, my good book. You know, of course, chocolate. (laughs) And and we're shaking a little bit and um, our hearts are beating fast because we also are having espresso. Is this how you like your panettone with espresso? I I do like my panettone with espresso. Um, Heart shaking definitely for for many reasons. The sugar rush, the caffeine uh, (laughs) rush. And this is also my first time ever doing a podcast. So, you know, there's a little bit of anxiety there. No, there's never any anxiety. We all always start with a little bit of anxiety when we do our interviews. Yeah. At the end of it, 
guests are like, whoa, that was so much fun. Let's do it. It was again. so oh, no, no. easy. I expect, this to, I expect this, to, this to be fun. Yeah. Cool host, too. That helps. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Good, good idea buttering us up now. Right. I know, right? Then we can put you through the gauntlet later. <laughs> that's also one way to eat the panettone. <laughs> A little mm-hmm. bit more butter on it. Oh. That's true. Okay. So tell us about, like, First of all, this is a beautiful table that you'll see pictures and video of on our social media profiles. Rarely do we have anybody actually put out a whole table for us. We get snacks a lot, but this is kind of fancy Frenchy of you. Mm -hmm. Frenchy with your Italian pastry. With a a nice Italian (laughs) twist. Like I say, he starched this. He really did. He did. We have like truffles, a little cutting board. Yeah, a little cutting board with panettone and this giant, giant one. Yeah, tell us about this huge, you said kilo size panettone? So um, the the panettone that I I bake for the farmer's market and for sales is uh, traditionally um, 500 grams. Uh, But at the market, I was having trouble. It's a beautiful box. And a lot of people were telling me like, this looks like you bought it at the store and you're just, you know, <laughs> reselling, which is so far removed from the truth. So somebody told me, like, why don't you bake a huge one and just show those people? It'll be a nice conversation starter. You can still sell, sell it, but it's just a, a showpiece that, that get people talking. Um, so it's a 1.5 kilo. That's over three pounds of, <laughs> of goodness. That's a lot. That's, that could feel like a family of seven. Yeah, it's huge. We took a picture with Louie, and it's a little bigger than her head, I believe. Yeah, no, No. it it definitely is bigger than your head. (laughs) Not to say that I have a big head. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. No, that's me. It's pretty big. How do you keep something like that from falling? Uh, So panettone is is one of those interesting bread that's super airy. It's it's very light. Um, Traditionally, it is baked and then cooled down upside down so right. um so gravity for, gravity helps exactly. as it cools down <laughs> the the bread and the ton of butter that's in it just hardens and it keeps it in place but in order to do that we have to cool them upside down that's so amazing yeah. when they come out of the oven and even the small one big or small they, they all get that um they get spiked through right out of the oven uh-huh. and then put on a rack to cool upside down. That is very cool. So they're, they're hanging. I, you said you make your spikes, right? Yeah, I make my own spikes. <laughs> yeah, do it I, yourself, man. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Louie too. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge DIY. Like the, yeah. the cooling rack that I use uh, for those is actually three, uh, four so horses and some two by four. That's awesome. Yes. I've got a couple of sawhorses in my garage too. It's like yeah. HGTV right? slash Food Network. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would, I mean, you know, I would love to like shoot a little documentary about how this is made. This yeah, is that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I thought you were gonna say that you'd love to shoot a little documentary, which is another good idea about the way that chefs makeshift things. Yeah. Well, that's cool. We should too. do an episode about that because like, it's DIY. so crazy. <laughs> if you people, a lot of people don't know this. If you don't work in a professional kitchen, um, you know, we turn pans into speakers we um (laughs) we find interesting ways of defrosting things not the way Mm -hmm. that you would do you know like in a microwave or Mm -hmm. you know the different ways you might do it at home we you know make little contraptions (laughs) that make the water pour in and out but um a really good chef knows how to do this kind of stuff we we (laughs) make it happen um as a matter of fact i also do chocolates on my little little free time 
And <laughs> a spray a spray booth is a piece of equipment that can cost upward of six thousand dollar. I made my own for four hundred bucks out of cardboard. No plywood. <laughs> no, yeah. the cardboard is for my uh, uh, sugar isomalt uh, warmer. Yeah, that's like ghetto as can be. It's, <laughs> it's a, French ghetto. It's it's a infrared light tucked inside a cardboard board lined with uh, tin foil. So. It's, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. I'm total DIY. We we have to do this, Louis, because this oh is. We could go to kitchens across Las Vegas or Los Angeles and see all the crazy things that cooks and chefs do. Yeah. Cooks come up with some of the best stuff, exactly. Like your oh, yeah. staff, because uh-huh. they're just they do it every day. Yeah, and they know the best way to randomly peel an asparagus spear, or just uh-huh. you know, it's it's amazing the things that people come up with. I yeah. agree, it's interesting. So before we get sidetracked. Even more. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so we were told that you were given a special mother dough, and that's how this kind of all started? Let's talk so about So the way it dough. started is I, I work full-time for Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits, which has been an extremely supportive company for me, uh, helping me in my growth. Um, I was told when I was in culinary school that not to go to art pastry, even though that was one of my things that I like to do. Um, When I started at Southern, they were very supportive in me taking some classes and trying to catch up on all that lost time. Um, So I took some classes, first uh, chocolate classes at Melissa Koppel School, Melissa Koppel Chocolatier School here in Vegas on Sahara. Um, Mm. Fantastic human being. I would really recommend you uh, interview her down the line. the next year, I took a Viennoiserie class, still at her school, with Danny Alvarez uh, from Spain. And part of the part of the course was panettone. Mm. And at the end of the class, he all gives us a nub of dough that we are to, if we want to continue doing it, we are to keep it alive. So it's it's a sourdough type of bread. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a yeast strain that he was handed down from somebody in Piedmont that he's Whoa. kept alive for, he, I think he's had it for about 20 years. Uh, God knows how old it is right. from that person in Piedmont that gave it to him. Um, and then he handed, that, he handed that to me at the end of the class and I've had it for three years and I've kept it alive for three years. So, wow, that's like the Piedmont-Las Vegas connection. So yeah. let's dumb it down for like people that don't know a sourdough starter is actually um, something that you start and it absorbs like the natural yeast of your environment. So if it was handed down from Piedmont, it contains like elements of the uh, the country. And mm-hmm. then we have that. And that's Las what's Vegas. so sexy about it. Right? Because I know. Character. It's a true labor of love. Yep. You know? And it's that um, intangible thing that you and I talk about a lot when it yeah. comes to food. It's the passion and love that goes into it that, you know, you taste in a panettone. Yeah, I mean, it, this is one of the best, if not the best, that I've tasted. They're is usually it, heavier than this. So yeah. talk a little bit care. about that. Yeah. This, um, the fluffiness. So the fluffiness. Um, Secrets, so the, the, advice. The secret um, high gluten flour. Uh, I buy my flour um, directly from Italy. Uh, oh, so yes. it's, a, uh, mm. it's a flour that is actually designed solely for panettone. 
Like those guys in Italy have a flower for everything. Oh, and they're yeah. super serious. And I they're mean, very serious. Just like Napolitana Crest Pizza, they it's that zero zero flower. You know, it's they're like you said, very mm-hmm. specific. So it's a it's a specific flower that have high elasticity, mm-hmm. um, and it retains its strength, its elasticity for long period of time. The the proof time on Panettone, the first proof. The f- after the first dough is made at night, first proof is 12 hours. It goes back in the mixer. We add more, I add more ingredients to the dough. It gets put in the cup, shaped and put in the cup, and then it proves for about six to eight hours. So Whoa. most uh, most flowers don't retain their strength for this long of a time. Right. They eventually just go right. collapse. Blob. Right. Yeah collapse exactly like they get overworked and they're like cannot do this anymore cannot yeah i mean it. they're 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 drunk on butter rum soaked raisins <laughs> yeah and they're like eh, i'm i'm done i'm good i'm just gonna flatten out and the result would be kind of like a fruit cake. cake yeah it yeah. would be just like a fruit cake yeah. let's talk about that a little yeah. bit because there are a few things on earth that i hate to eat more than fruitcake. I had my first one when I was, I don't know, one or two year old, yeah. years old. And I feel like I remember it do, because do your parents it's, like, it's freaking yeah. disgusting. Do your parents like stick your fruitcake in your fridge and then have it there for like ages and then it's still good? So I feel like it's sort of a, well, it is, you know, it's kind of a kind of old school, ages. you know, like another generation, not ours thing. Yeah. And it was kind of there. Yeah. And it sat there and it seemed like it was the same Christmas fruit cake from the year before. Exactly. Which it could have been. I feel like it'll taste like grandma's. It's <laughs> like really grandma's bad, old purse. Bad grandma's. <laughs> like really leathery, really alcoholy and And it's got creepy dried mm-hmm. fruit in it. Like as, maraschino cherries yeah. and ugh. Like as a kid when you think of fruit, you think of like bright flavors like right. it know, could like be good. popsicles and stuff like that. And then at Christmas time rolls around and then they give you fruit cake. Yes. Right. So this has dried fruit in it, Panettone. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some similar characteristics and look of it, but we just want to set the record straight that a Christmas fruit cake is nothing like a Panettone. They no, are no. different. So the fruit cake is is a brick in my in my opinion. It's it, dense as fuck. It's just <laughs> it's really it's really really dense. Panettone is a completely different. Uh, different thing it's uh it's light and airy it's got nice pockets of uh of air inside um yes there is dry fruit and i'm glad you you mentioned that i make my own candied fruits yeah uh, oh my god so, this is so from scratch i can't make oh yeah i can't make raisins i mean i could but that would <laughs> be quite a lot you're of not work. going to yeah. i'm not going to uh, on the other end uh dried orange i'm lucky enough to have access to free orange rinds because of my employer, (laughs) my full-time employer. Um, So throughout the the beginning of the year to prepare for the holiday season, I just recoup orange rinds and- Recycle, reuse. Yeah, exactly. There's, it's a zero waste uh, product there. Love it, Um, it's amazing. It's a six day process. It takes, it takes a long time. But the uh, the quality of the product at the end uh, is for sure uh, far superior. It's, it's just far superior it's than anything you, you can, can buy get really. by on the market. I bet you, because uh, I mean, there's no preservatives and no no. Oh, no, no, it's, it's just sugar you know, and water. That's all you know there exactly is. how it's handled. And, and let's uh, talk yeah. about that too, because you know you see the panettone, and seriously, nowadays you can get panettone at, at Sam, Walgreens, okay. Sam's Club, <laughs> at 
at TJ Maxx. My first <laughs> Panettone discovery was actually at World Market. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which might yeah. not be the worst. Which might not be the worst because yeah, I would exactly. think that like, you know, you go to a clothing store mm-hmm. right. and as you go through the counter, there's a Panettone box sitting right. there and you're like, wait a minute. What How can I eat this? And it's <laughs> How long ni- has it been here? And it's three ninety five, and it's like that's how much it cost me in butter alone here. Uh-huh. So yeah, do you it, use that like European? So I use Plugra. Uh, I use Plugra butter. Yeah, um, love it. I, yeah. I I first started and I was nuts. I first started and I was using Ashiri butter. Yeah, Ashiri is like amazing. But yeah. it, you know, financially it was just. Crazy. It's the butter that'll cause you like to go broke. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's so delicious. Well, it's, yeah. it's delicious. Flugra still has uh, similar uh, elasticity. Yes. Um, really, butter don't people don't think butter is important and butter oh my is gosh, butter. So important. Butter is but depending on the diet that the cow eats, the butter is day and night. Yeah. Like the elasticity and the flavor, the the color, it's. It's day right. and night. Yeah, do yourselves a favor for the people that don't work professionally in the restaurant business. We spend a lot of money on butter, and nowadays you can get it everywhere. I mean, I yeah. saw it in Smith's the other day, the yeah. Pluguria and the yeah. Oshira. And my, my go-to at home is the Kiri Gold. That's very good, too. Yeah. And, you know, healthier yeah. um, in general. But it's butter still. It's still butter. <laughs> it's still butter. Yeah, hey, I um, like the salt in it. But yeah, I mean, or Amish butter. Gold. I love Amish butter too. Let me ask you this: So, what sets apart like a French cow and a, an American cow? Why is our butter here? Why can't we use Land O'Lakes for this? Uh, because it doesn't eat the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, California makes that happy cow thing. It's it's true. I mean. The way we don't, in France, we don't have herds uh, that are thousands of cows. Actually, there are there were riot a few years ago for a farm that was opening and that was slated to have a thousand cows in France. In France, this is not the norm. It's, it's just not, we're not used to that. That's so, mass producing. And, and, and therefore, we riot because that's what we do in France. Yeah, apparently. we riot. I love it, right? <laughs> Les Miserables. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's Just, a revolution of cows. <laughs> no. So, so the, the diet, you know, the, the things that we, f- we feed the cows is different. Mo- most cows in France pasture on, on grass. Yeah. And yeah. the grass has beta-carotene. Um, the thing yeah. that make carrots yellow, yeah, um, and it turns their butter yellow. Wow, and it's it's plain and simple. Yeah. So I mean, while we have you here, we'd love to talk to you about the differences. Um, obviously, this could go on for hours, but yeah. <laughs> for for in your eyes, the main mm-hmm. differences between how the French bake and how the Americans bake or cook, because it's so uh-huh. different. I mean. Bake or cook, for that matter. A lot of it goes back to what you're talking about. It's Mm -hmm. something that we're discovering slowly because we are a much younger country Mm -hmm. that you need to have amazing ingredients (laughs) to have amazing food. It seems so obvious, but, um, you know, we went through generations of a lot of preservatives and a lot of canned items and, you know. Post-war, we needed to, well, not me because that was before (laughs) my time, (laughs) but... Production needed to right. There's catch a history up. involved there, with that. There's history involved, and however, and we got stuck. <laughs> we kind yeah. of got like, oh, this is convenient, and too you know, convenient. I can 
I can either have time for my kids or I can have leisurely time right. for myself. So I'm just going to open a can or pull something out of the freezer. Um, I, I mean, was just talking to my wife yesterday about this. We, I was telling her, I just can't believe my mom put a dinner on the table every single night of the week, plus weekends. Um, and she did it 85%, 90% from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were four kids. Yeah. yeah. We're struggling with two. <laughs> Is your wife also French or is she American? No, she's, she's American. She's okay. from Texas. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how, how different is it in the sense that, I mean, we know it's different, but what are some kind of really obvious things to you that are different with the way that we cook and the way that we bake? I think the access to affordable quality product is, is different. Right. Um, You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be nice to make it a little more affordable for people. I, unfortunately, people that just don't have um, that expandable income, just it's easier for them to go. It's cheaper for them to survive on you know, fast foods and canned goods and... You hit it on the head, And, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate because those people probably cannot afford health care because that, that kind of eating yeah. will cause problem down the line. And they won't be able to even afford the health care to get better. Yeah. It's so true because when you go to European countries and you see how they buy groceries and mm-hmm. how they eat, you know, it's, it's a daily you know, if not several times weekly process yeah. of buying and, and attaining food. We're here, it's like you're saving for weeks. There's no Costco's in France. No Costco's whatsoever. See? Because you're going down to your corner market exactly. and getting the bread from your friend and the vegetables from their farm. And Definitely, whatever's fresh that day, you kind of like just turn to that. But I mean, we do, absolutely we do have supermarket. We do, we do grocery similar to what you would do. We, we do not have... Uh, Sam's Club and Costco. Yeah, similar. That's unheard of. Um, and everything's smaller there in the sense mm-hmm. of like um, portion size and rooms and stuff. So you know, it's 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 again like a daily yeah. or multi weekly process of yeah. like getting your groceries. You don't have this humongous pantry yeah. and humongous refrigerator the way we do everything in America. Like so big, it's big, it's better. I'm not. I'm pretty sure that also has like a correlation to like portion size and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, there's for a, there's sure. There's a mentality here that. You know, I buy a I buy a bread. I'm gonna eat the whole thing by myself. Or Benoit, I'll be honest it. with you. I can't eat that. Oh, I could yeah. I could put that that <laughs> I could put that bread that's away. That's not a yeah. that's not something that you would do often. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. I well, think I think yeah. when when I was raised, my parents always told me you can have of everything, just not coke. Just stay away. <laughs> like Coca Cola? Yeah. No. Cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> okay. All right. Where are you going have, with this? <laughs> you can have of everything. You just can't have it all the time. Moderation is important. Moderation um, is key. In the farmer's market, at the farmer's market, I, I encounter a lot of people that are like, oh, no, I can't do this. It's gluten. Right. It's it has sugar. It has sugar. High gluten at that. Yeah. High gluten flour <laughs> yeah. at that. Exactly. People don't understand that it's a treat, that you're not to eat the whole thing. Yeah. There, there's no moderation. Uh, we hear a lot of people that go on those crazy diets, like, I'm cutting this completely off. Right. Because they, there's no restraint. Mm-hmm. 
if you had a little restraint, you could eat a slice of panettone in a day. Uh, you know, you start Monday, by the end of the week, you have, a, you have French toast with whatever went a little dry, and you're good to go. Yeah. But most people will just kill that thing in one sitting. And it's, it's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where that mindset comes from. Also, you know, like, why, why more? Like, why supersize? Why, why this? Why that? I, I mean, this has so many I know. commercial and historical implications in the last couple of yeah, decades Yeah, but it's, for it's a good thing to, like, at least talk about. I mean, it's bit. definitely, as we've been talking to different people on our different podcasts about mm -hmm. growing your own veggies and having school gardens, I feel like our generation is trying to, to move down. backwards in a good way yeah. in the sense of, producing our own food and maybe worrying less about having quantity yeah, and more about quality and knowing what you're eating and knowing what you're getting. I feel like you should be just like fully present and experience your meal, whether yeah. it's a small slice. And you, you know, know it's hard though, because you've got a million jobs exactly. and most people are working way more hours than in other countries yeah. and with way less vacation. So this is opening up a whole new can of worms, but yes, it could go back to a lot of that I'm stuff. going to pinpoint it to mindless eating. So <laughs> let's just yeah, zip that up there. So where did you develop your passion for baking and cooking? It's, uh, it's an early on thing. Um, as a kid, I, I just liked it. Um, there's no experience that come to mind. I just always enjoyed it. Um, my mom always always made like an apple tart here, an apple tart there, a brownie or something tartine? like this. Tartine. <laughs> yeah, tartine. Exactly. Um, it sounds sexier so the, in French. It always does. Apple pie. Tartine. <laughs> La tartine. Yes, yes. Maybe we can do the rest of the podcast just me saying like sexy French, French words. Sexy French words. I don't think people would be against it. <laughs> I know. Bonjour. I know. <laughs> right? Wait. Like the next week after this airs, you're gonna be swamped at the farmers market. <laughs> right. All right, all right. <laughs> right. No, there's there's not really any uh, thing that come up to mind. Um, one story is um, I started baking cannelés, which okay. is a tiny little caramelized on the outside, They're custardy, so cute. <laughs> tiny little morsel of heaven. Yeah, um, it's like a little ribbed, cute little mm -hmm. dome. <laughs> And yeah. there's so much to this cake that I didn't know until recently. Oh, for sure, because some really suck <laughs> and some are amazing. But there's, from the history, there there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things about that hmm. little cake. But back to the story, I knew how to bake those before I was able to make mashed potato. Oh, that's so French of you. And I, I call <laughs> I call my mom. She was on a on a work trip one time, and I had baked cannellis she had taken with her. So I'm calling like, hey mom, how do you make mashed potatoes? <laughs> yeah. And her colleagues there were like, okay, your kid can bake cannelés and those things pretty <laughs> perfect. And he can't make mashed potatoes? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so I had an, an early on uh, uh, liking of patisserie and, and pastry arts. I just was turned away because as, as a young man, I was... I didn't, oh, I still don't like rules, to be honest with you. Um, and baking and baking is- Requires rules. Requires yeah. rules and you have to follow them or you just end up with- not Shit. What you're looking you yeah. end up with a fruitcake, that's why. Exactly, you end up with a, that's what happened. 
<laughs> the know, line of the day. <laughs> it was it was just some some dumb kid that just didn't want to follow rules and ended up with a fruitcake. Exactly. <laughs> you set out to make great panettone and then you end up with a fruitcake. No? You seem to me that you like a challenge. Yes. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Every time like, I talk to you, there's some sort of challenge happening. <laughs> there's, you know, challenge accepted. I always, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially if it involves something that uh, I'm not familiar with, something that's going to really, really try me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like to learn new thing. I like that feeling of like, wow, I, I just didn't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. I, I committed. Once I commit to something... That's it. Uh, that's Clearly. It. That's it. <laughs> so that feeling of, of that fulfillment of, of having it done and done it right is just, is it's good. How that's many of true. these bad boys do you produce? So um, we got our boxes last year. We got 3,000, 1,000 of each flavor. And... I'm just about to run out. So whoa! And you bake this at home? Fifteen hundred every year. <laughs> That's like lifetimes of hours of baking. You bake so, this at home? How can you produce so many loaves of bread? Uh, you at have home? a very, very enabling wife. I was about to say. <laughs> that's very understanding of your passion and. Go your, ahead, shout out. <laughs> your garage turns into a madhouse bakery. Mm -hmm. um, and she loves that. Yeah. No, I mean, that actually, like, the fre the smell of fresh baked bread oh, actually yes. compensate for any sort of, like, you know, disruptions in the household, I would say. You don't have to buy a plug-in. <laughs> what do they enjoy? Do they yeah. enjoy panettone? Do they enjoy cupcakes? Like, what's, you said she's from Texas, so mm -hmm. do you cook southern food for her? Like, what, what do you make at home for her that she loves? Hmm. Or your children? Uh, Tartine. Tartine. <laughs> no, no they're always very happy with... Uh, so we used to have a chocolate panettone. Mm. Okay. Um, this has chocolate had, in it. So we had four flavors when we first started. Um, so the full bread itself is chocolate. Just chocolate, no orange, and my kids go crazy for it. Mm. Um, my oldest, for his birthday, required me to bake one of those just for him Aww. and I went the extra step I, I dipped the the crust the top crust in chocolate and oh. put coco nib on top mm. it was yeah it Louis was and I would like to good, request right? that please I know um, no at home we cook you know simple things trying to just have you know one protein one starch one vegetable um per meal yeah, per meal. Yeah. Now, does your wife cook too, or are you in charge? I, I'm in charge. She does uh, a few things very, very well. Uh, mostly comfort food, but she does she does a few things very, very well. That's amazing. That's amazing that you can actually like find time to. Yeah, cook. because a lot mm -hmm. of chefs, especially executive chefs, sous chefs, mm -hmm. they don't cook at home. You know, we eat McDonald's on the way home or something sad no, like that. I, I'll be fully honest with you. It's not a. Nightly, it's not an everyday thing. It's yeah. not an everyday thing. So we try really hard to at least have one thing homemade but you know like everybody else we just I'll have a lot of things going on yeah. you supplement with with you know maybe a frozen meal right part of, of course part of the meal like not fully done but just right just a little help so yeah. do you have this must be some sort of interesting like texas and french like christmas family traditions 
for actually um we're still trying to figure out what our christmas traditions are okay um what are some things that you do though um you know, as crazy as it sounds, we're going to be doing lasagna and tiramisu. <laughs> I've been doing tiramisu for a few years, so that one's that one's there to stay. You're a Frenchman um, that likes Italian stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it, it's nice. You know, you, lasagna and tiramisu is, is perfect because you can make a head, and then you can enjoy Christmas Day with your kids, with your family. Yeah, it's, and you're not in the yeah. kitchen all day. That's I, true. I love to cook, but I... I really, really enjoy my family. I really enjoy spending time with them. And that that allows me to, to do that. Yeah, I, I am trying to bring back some Christmas traditions because I think, yeah, it's, this is kind of the time of your life when you start to think like, well, what traditions am I going to have for my family or for mm-hmm. my children? And um, we, uh, as a child, had what they call empada, um, it's Portuguese uh, savory pie. <laughs> oh, okay. And it sounds weird to Americans, but it actually a lot of the time has traditionally fish in it. Okay. Because the Portuguese people were sailors and they lived almost all surrounded by water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so this pie would have fish and olives and it sounds creepy and weird, but it's something that just makes me think of Christmas. And it didn't get passed down to my mother's and father's generation. And, but like my grandparents, I remember going to like my grand aunts and my grandparents and every house would have their own inversion, version of empada as happens yeah. with cultural traditions. Exactly. You know, you have like, this is my empada, this is my empanada, this is my panettone. It's like a little different, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, it was like impossible <laughs> finding recipes on the, the internet. On Google, you would think you can Google anything. Empada, empanada kept coming up and yeah. it's like totally different. I mean, it's flaky and it's like a pie, but it's different. And I can't find a recipe. And please, 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 families, write down recipes for future generations right. and exactly. keep them because Start I would love thing. to bring that back. Is there anything that you remember at Christmas? Um, you know, the Filipino Christmas is kind of like more like Spanish style okay. food, like richer foods, like lengua, paella. Okay. You know, so yeah, that kind of stuff. It's not your everyday meal. The adobo disappears. Is there a baking thing a that baking you remember? Aspect? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're big That's on, specific? They're big on fruitcakes, food for the gods. But not this kind of, like, fluffy, beautiful. No, food. no, It's more no. like a fruitcake, fruitcake. The, it's <laughs> dense. Yeah, I remember the, uh, the, the fruitcake that we have in our refrigerator for, like, five years or something like that. It still tastes the same from day one. Do you remember any French traditions from your childhood from Christmas or the holidays? Food-wise, interestingly enough, I not so much. I'll I'll remember the the cold turkey with slathered in in chestnut from my grandpa. <laughs> and I, I chestnut puree. And I just remember like I know this is supposed to be traditional and I heard it's supposed to be good but it just ain't. It's just not. <laughs> right? It's just not good. Um when I think of Christmas I I think more of of the relationships, the uh, yeah. the the family, the I think more of the time than. Well, my grandma could make some really killer chocolate truffles, yeah. and, and that that feeling of having that cocoa powder just like cake your mouth, mm-hmm. and then followed by that really delicious velvety yeah. chocolate ganache. That's yeah. that's a good thing. 
that's a Christmas memory. Yeah, that's, that's a, a Christmas memory. You one. should bring that back. Yeah. yeah. See, it's these things, you know, that that's a mm-hmm. make a huge memory. difference later on. Yeah. We yeah, should yeah, remember like, these things. We should have like a Christmas cultural potluck. Yeah. Just food exchange. Actually, we're trying to do this here um, this week. We're, we're trying to do a Christmas around the world. We, we cook for all over front of the house employees every single uh, month, once a month. And um, we did the Thanksgiving thing last month. So we're trying something new, doing Christmas around the world. The, the menu has not been quite hammered out. It's, it's a nice thing. Where, where I work here right now is we have enough freedom that we can just kind of switch the menu last minute. It's not corporate, at least in the kitchen, where... Yeah. That's a luxury. We, we, we have a lot of freedom, so it's, it's Creative kind of nice. freedom. So nice. we're talking about creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we always like to ask chefs. Okay. Especially executive chefs and people who are kind of at the top and they don't get to cook as much as other people in the kitchen. How do you keep yourself creative and keep inspired and come up with new things and new plating? It's, it's very difficult. Yes. Um, I found that the, this job here um, is, a, is a big challenge because being at the top, I don't have anybody to kind of challenge me but myself or yes. <laughs> show me new trick. When you're, when you're on a, in a casino at a restaurant, you have a restaurant next to you. you we have, you right. have chefs. There's a community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a struggle. Um, I'm very visual. So when I'm looking for something on uh, Google, it's usually Google image. Yeah, and yeah me too. It's very visual for me. Instagram's uh, great for that. Instagram is very good for that. Um, just skimming through books. Um, I've gotten my uh, uh, 11 Madison book for years now, and I still love to go back to it. Right. The, just the, the plating, the looks, um, just Daniel Hum is is really talented chef. Yes. I really like what he does. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I catch myself going back to that book especially. Right. Have you gone to Nomad yet? It's no, so I good. I, I haven't. I, I still have to do it. Um, you will appreciate the croissants there. Oh, okay. Even as a Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beautiful. And they have this almond one that I'm just, I crave. Yeah. It goes back to the craving. Like, ooh, that almond croissant there. Yeah, I can get on Buttery and croissant. puffy and layered. And, yeah. Oh, almond so croissant, good. a little bit of orange marmalade. Almond croissant definitely brings uh, some memories back. Um, so in France, being a very Catholic uh, country, uh, we celebrate Epiphany, the arrival of the three kings okay. in Bethlehem. Um, the religion part is, is very far removed from this tradition at this point. Uh, but in France, we have two cakes, and we, we do a king's cake. Yes, uh, I've heard of that. So there's two types, whether you're in the north or in the south. North is a brioche with sugar on top and candied fruit. You had me at brioche. Okay. <laughs> okay. Better than that is in the South, we're doing, because of the influence of uh, the Northern African countries that came and colonized back in the days, a long time ago. Like Morocco. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We use a lot of almonds. So mm. it's a puff pastry Ooh. pie, if you will, with almond 
cream inside. And that is that just delicious. That, that is crazy. a tradition that I absolutely, absolutely continue with my kids. Uh, the youngest, which I was when I was a kid. So each cake is baked with a little figurine inside. So yeah, it's similar yeah. to like Louisiana. Louisiana. They probably Louisiana took that idea cake. from you guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> ripped it off. I would guess. Yeah. The, the little I can't baby. believe that. <laughs> right? Well, Louisiana was French for a while. Right, yeah. right. And in many ways still, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, southern See, version. That's how we got our king cake. It didn't come from like the swamp. <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, no. It see, see, yeah. you just yeah. raised up the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, did. I sure did. But yeah. This is very fancy Louisiana now. I know, no, So no. what happens with that? Is it the same so, as Louisiana? So no. as, a, as a kid... As, do you win? <laughs> so you, you do win. Okay. Um, so as the youngest, I was sent under the table, and my parents would tell me, like, this piece, who is this for? My little brother, my big brother sister mom dad so that's how the cake gets distributed divided, uh, yeah. distributed uh, among family members and whoever finds the uh, the, the, little the little figurine becomes king or queen for the day for the day and then oh. you get to choose your sibling your your significant <laughs> other so as a kid me it was always one of my oldest sister or my mom okay um like mom, you're my queen. Aww, Aww. that's so yeah. cute. So I continue. I, I continue this uh, this tradition with my family, and I, I bake those. Uh, See, you have so traditions. You <laughs> your, it's just not quite Christmas. Yeah. Six days later. <laughs> so you send your youngest under the table to kind of like blindly call out who exactly. the slices blindly belong to. Blindly calling out the. Uh, and then whoever <laughs> gets the baby, the little figurine. Wow, that's great. That's a great way to lot to yeah. do a lottery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so just choose slowly and don't swallow. Very <laughs> and you know what's funny? Thousands of miles removed from France, my kids open up that cake the exact same way. I, you lift up the uh, the top puff pastry and look for the, the, for the baby, baby in there. Of course. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Hey, do you reuse your baby or is that a one-time baby? So, um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious because, like, I, I, I don't this know. This is how Louise's brain works. So, so, do you reuse your baby, or is that like a one-time baby user? Like, there's this traditional figurine. I can't see I'm recycling yeah. babies. Yeah, because I'm not sure if I should get like a bag of little babies. So, I need to get some babies from uh, some from France. That sounds very wrong. It's so weird. I know. So uh, I, I need to smuggle them through the border real quick. <laughs> right. Uh, I know. Are, are, I are you allowed a, to I use take an home these almond. babies? Oh, an almond. Okay. Yeah, oh, I've got okay. all the paperwork. You know, <laughs> I adopted these little them. babies. No, I use an I use an almond or a bean at this point. Uh, uh -huh. In the U.S., being very litigious, litigious. Yeah. Um, most bakers actually use something that's food that's edible just in case, right? Because. <laughs> It's not a tradition here, and you never know. You might end up with somebody just chipping a tooth. Right, right, Swallowing right. it and choking. choking. Yeah. Is there, um, like, a market for that, like, uh, maybe, like, that semi-edible baby? Go ahead, Louie. <laughs> right? I know. I think I, think I no, might. But it's, it's She's going to be a baby maker. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you, you mention it. You're a baby oh maker. <laughs> yes. That is my calling in life. <laughs> That's your nickname for the week. Okay, switching ears. Perfect, Louie. That's where it is. All right, our favorite part of the show on the fly 60 seconds rapid fire oh, wow. questions. 
with Benoit, the Panettone maker. Ready? Go. Go. The food you need in life. Oh, the food I need? Yeah. Oh, In-N-Out Burger. Oh, good one. <laughs> Favorite pastry to eat? Um, King's Cake, the almond one. Okay. Best tool for your job? Best tool for, uh, offset spatula. Cat or dog person? Ooh. Gerbil. Oh, very good. <laughs> good dodge. Most inspirational chef? Uh, Daniel Hom. Um, one. Daniel Hom. Got it. <laughs> Dream place to travel and eat? Dream place. Barcelona. Barcelona. Mm. Childhood favorite food? Mom's cooking anything. Uh, oh, uh, Ville Blanquette. Okay. So French. Guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, chocolate, the 70. That's okay, go ahead. Chocolate's good. So, chocolate, uh, Alan Ducasse chocolate, 75% non conch. So, n- n- kind of unfinished with still little grains of sugar and, and oh. cocoa nibs in it. Where can we get that this? That is the most chefy French right? answer I've ever heard. That's amazing. Um, we have to ask you this because we know that you're busy as hell. So how do you relax? How do I relax? Um, I s- watch reruns of The West Wing on Netflix. Oh. <laughs> it's as crazy as it sounds. I love it. Right? And how about... We, we need to ask you okay, this, because you work at Southern. Oh, yeah, you have experience. to. You can't skip yeah. that question. What's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Ah, uh, well, I kind of somewhat gave up drinking last year. Very okay. smart. And, well, I was facing the, the Panettone season with, with very high expectation and, and lots of stress. So I told myself, like, let's try the thing. Um, I love beer. I really like gin. I, I like myself a good gin. Gin yeah. and tonic is... Like What's your favorite gin? Uh, I like Botanist. Okay. Botanist is... Yeah. I like it too. It's good. Yeah. Love that bottle. It's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very pretty bottle. All right. Before we go, let's go ahead and sell it, Benoit. How do we get our hands on this beautiful Panettone? And how many more are left? When, where, how? All right. So I bake my last chocolate uh, orange because I'm just out of boxes. Um, but there are a few places you can get your hands on. Uh, Michael Gourmet Pantry at Curran Way is on Valley View and Sunset. Okay. Um, they are retailing them. Um, Valley Cheese and Wine in Henderson. I go there all the time. It. I know where that is. Um, and then you can come and meet me at the Farmer's Market at Downtown Summerlin on Saturdays from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. Cool. Very cool. Go down cool. to the farmer's market. Like it's a right fun now. little farmer's market. And hello, you can get panettone with chocolate mm-hmm. and candy. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Benoit, come thank you so much. Please. Yeah. yeah talk fun. to Benoit. I, I love talking more in detail of, yeah. about this. And, and you'll yeah. get to hear his French slash Texan American accent right. in person. It slips yeah. in and out. You'll <laughs> we'll have a good time. Okay. Chris, I know. Benoit, merci. Uh-huh. Merci beaucoup. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. 
And check out Two Sharp Chefs, that's with a number two, on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week. Thank you.